Welcome to the Onassis Air Conversations. My name is Mirto Katsimicha. I'm a curator and cultural worker based in Athens and your host in this series of recorded encounters with the participants of Onassis Air. Founded on the principles of learning and doing with others, Onassis Air is an international research residency program in Athens initiated by the Onassis Foundation in 2019. They say that what happens in one place stays in that place. I cannot find a better way to describe all the things that have been happening inside the Onassis Air House since I first entered as a participant of the Critical Practices program in fall 2019. The truth is, it is not easy to transmit an open-ended process of relationing which is very personal and relevant to a specific place and moment in time. How can I then give you a glimpse into that process? Everything starts with a conversation. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking with the Onassis Air participants to shed light on their artistic practices and needs, as well as to reflect on ways of being and working together. In this conversation, I'll be speaking with Christina Kotsilelu, a product designer and chef based in Athens. Through her practice, Christina has been experimenting and creatively combining design and cooking in various ways. Food has been an integral part of the Nasa's Air program since day one. As part of the School of Infinite Rehearsals, we kicked off a chef-in-residence program in order to pair artistic and culinary practices and explore collectively sustainable cooking practices, kitchen waste management, biodiversity, and methods of preservation and fermentation. Christina participated in the School of Infinite Rehearsals Movement 3 that focused on the notion of ecologies. Drawing from her experience and practice, we will discuss together issues concerning food production and distribution, sustainability, and environmental ethics. Christina, welcome to Palirum. Hi, Mirto. Nice to see you again. Nice to have you here. Um, I would like to start our conversation today with some background information. Um, You've studied art and design in London, and since 2006, you've been running together with your partner, Thanos Karabatsos, Greece is for Lovers, Mm -hmm. a product design studio specializing in exploring cultural identity through objects, and especially the Greek cultural identity and the ways this has been perceived through certain icons or symbols. It seems to me that the issue of representation is an important aspect of your culinary practice as well, which you try to address and question through the use of humor and irony. And I'm very curious to know, how do you see this connection between these two different creative fields that you're working in? Um... I think humor and irony are issues um, that we deal more with uh, crisis for lovers. Um, it's more present in the work there in the way that we play with stereotypes, with humor and with um, um, sort of stuff that are considered um, shameful and we try to make them more accepted, let's say. Um, we also play with kids and camp. Uh, and this is not so much present in the um, in the culinary uh, part of my work. The fact that I started working with food was also another way, another expression, another creative expression for me. 
Um, and the similarity I sort of see with the work with um, that I do with um, product design is um, how I try to sort of elevate um, simple ingredients because I usually play with uh, I'm I'm cooking vegetarian most of the time or vegan, so I try to play and to elevate simple ingredients into more luxurious tastes. And I'm also very interested in um, in the way food is presented as well. Um, another thing which I find interesting, and I mean, it has nothing to do with what you said, but it's a, I think it's a, it's an interesting point, um, like a con- the connection between the two fields. I think for me, cooking was sort of like a balance, trying to find a balance and sort of to, um, to deal with the guilt, <laughs> the guilt of, um, like when you're designing new products in a world that doesn't need anymore, really. So, whereas on the other hand, food is something that is, um, it's something that is consumed and it disappears. Uh, it leaves no trace. So, you know, for me, this is a kind of balance between, you know, the two fields, let's say. I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, that's very interesting. I would never have thought about uh, <laughs> the notion of guilt in your practice. <laughs> Uh, but exactly, I was I was thinking about representation in terms of how much focus you also place in the presentation of uh, mm-hmm. of food. And I remember when we were in Egina and you um, did your presentation about your practice and the props that you oh, used yeah. to present the dessert. Yeah, this was a very funny project indeed. I mean, okay, and this was also um, part of the work of Greases for Lovers, but playing with food again. Um, yeah, you tried this, um, um, it was a halva dessert and it was uh, made in molds of like um, body parts of um, ancient Greek statues. So you had like uh, bums and boobs and <laughs> all the parts. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, but would you like to elaborate a bit on what was the turning point for you? And um, I mean, you studied art and design. How did you end up splitting your time, let's say, between cooking and product design? Um, okay, so after a few years with um, Greases for Lovers and working with Thanos, at some point I decided I want to look into cooking a little bit more. I mean, I was always interested in, uh, I always loved cooking. Um, so I attended this uh, cooking school in uh, Los Angeles, which was um, concentrating more on um, vegan and raw vegan food. Um, and after that, I mean, I stayed there for three months, I came back and I started working with food um, more like, I was treating it more like projects again. So with a beginning, you have a brief, you have a beginning and at some point you have like a the end of the project. So I was never really working in um, full time in restaurants. I mean, I tried it and it's it, it doesn't work with me. <laughs> I think it's it's too much. Um, it's it's very stressful. And also, I think at some point I would be bored of food. You know, I see a lot of that happening with uh, people who are who really love food like chefs who love cooking and after a point become so mundane and so you know the same thing over and over again and I don't want to have that so I prefer to do it more um, yeah like pop-ups or yeah working with different projects every time 
different places, different people, so it doesn't get boring. As I've mentioned in our introduction, the Chef in Residence program is a fairly recent addition to our program, and you are one of the very first Chef in Residence of the School of Infinite Rehearsals that took part in a collective research on ecologies. As we became more and more aware of um, environmental uh, crises, there is a growing critical discourse that concerns the production and distribution of food. How do you engage with these issues through your practice? Um, I think food and um, nutrition is directly linked to ecologies. Um, And when I say eating as a political act, it's about knowing where your food comes from and also knowing and understanding your place in the food system. Um, So is it ethically sourced or is it ethically produced? Um, Is it sustainable? Is it good for the planet? Um, and also there's, there's questions coming in about processed and chemically produced food. So, um, like processed food, is it, is this food alive and how, since we're alive and we're on a a live planet, when we eat this dead food, is it good for us? Um, so one part is that, and the other part I was really interested in is the waste management in the kitchen. I mean, and it starts from the households, but also goes to the um, to the restaurant business as well. Um, so how how do we manage waste and how do we eliminate waste? Like because I mean, up to a point we have we had recycling as an answer, but now it's not about that. It's more about reducing waste completely. Um, and then also, yeah, the issues of like, um, sustainability and biodiversity in the ingredients, like how can we use more local, um, ingredients? Um, so this is most of the stuff I was thinking, like, even when I, when I was invited to do this residency. So the School of Infinite Rehearsals is a collective research program that brings together an interdisciplinary group of uh, practitioners to work around a common theme. And in your case, that was ecologies. And I know that you have been uh, collaborating with uh, uh, your partner Thanos for many, many years. Uh, But I'm not sure if you've ever worked with such a um, a mix of, of people like uh, uh, the group um, of Movement 3. So I was wondering what was your specific research angle mm-hmm. when you entered, especially since um, it was such an open, a new program. And how did you see your practice, your culinary practice, merging with um, the collective one that you developed as a group? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, working with so many people was a totally new experience. I mean, I'm used to working either on my own or with one other person. So yeah, one of the areas I wanted to explore during my time at uh, at AIR um, was processes of preserving and fermenting food. So the, um, the pickle workshop that we did together and also the, um, the vegan um, cheese making and tasting that we tried was also part of this. Um, fermentation is one of, one of the oldest ways of uh, preserving food. Um, and it was like the, the, the most pre-industrial food we know, sort of, let's say. Um, 
it's it's a way of transforming food into more digestible and gut friendly um, superfood, let's say. Um, so in the end, it's kind of an antidote to processed food as well, if you think about it. So um, I was very much into this whole idea of um, preserving and uh, also transforming food into something, yeah, digestible, gut friendly, and also delicious because most of this uh, this food is really really good tasting. I remember that we tried uh, fermenting avocado, raspberries, mm-hmm. blueberries, blueberries. Sorry, um, what else? Uh, I think we had like cauliflower, uh, beetroot, some mix of stuff. I mean, we still have stuff downstairs. We have to still try. And the more you let them, you know, the, the more you, you let them ferment, the better they get. So, but what are the basic steps? Would you like to to explain? Mm-hmm. Uh, like the basic ingredients, because it was really s- simple yeah. in the end yeah. to, to do it. I mean, Anyone can do it. There's different kinds of fermentation. There's um, the one we tried, which was um, fermenting in a sort of brine with uh, water, um, vinegar, sugar, and salt. So there's like a balance between these, but it's fermenting in a brine. Then you have fermentation just with uh, salt, for example, where you... You do it with um, vegetables that are more um, watery, let's say. So, for example, a cabbage, you can ferment it just with putting salt and then placing um, uh, a weight on top. And then you draw out the juices and it ferments in these juices. Um, So there's lots of different kinds of uh, fermentation. The one we tried, I think, for me is the most... um, I prefer it most because... um, it's always a mix of like sweet and sour um, and they, the vegetables or the fruit that you ferment remains crunchy. So I think it's a really nice uh, way of doing it. It was a nice experience and also the fact that we named the different uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. recipes. <laughs> um, so th- during these six weeks in... At some point, you collectively came together and you decided to focus your research on the element of water. Mm-hmm. I would like to ask, how did you come to this decision and what was the property of water that uh, resonated with you the most? Um, I'm trying to think like the origins of our idea. I think it was it began with your um, workshop. Uh, The the workshop that we did with you, uh, which was a workshop about how to work together, how to uh, be together as a group. And from that workshop, I think we sort of came to a conclusion that we want to do something about care and processes of care. And then we talked about, like, for example, serving each other a glass of water every day as a, you know, as a care... um, Ritual. Ritual. Yeah, exactly. Um... And then water kept coming up in all the conversations we had and all the references we had in books and stuff. So that's why we, at some point we said, okay, maybe we should do something about water. Um, and then we started listing like the properties of water, as you said. Um, and for me, there were two things that kind of uh, struck me. One was uh, tra- transformation, um, which is, I mean, for uh, for the for cooking, it's like 
the word that describes everything and the the fact that you take like raw ingredients you manipulate them somehow and then you have like an edible des- um, result so this is like a transformation process um and then the other th- word that i was very much interested in was um symbiosis uh which links very well with uh, all the stuff that we talked about before about the fermentation um because in fermentation usually it's a symbiotic you create a symbiotic environment uh a symbiosis of um microorganisms and um which work together in fermenting the food um I mean a good example for this would be something that I'm I'm writing about in the publication that we're doing. Um it's a drink called uh, kombucha which um it's a fermented drink that uh, originated in China and then from then on it spread. Uh now it's kind of, you know, like the new hippie <laughs> hippie drink. Um I think they try to make it um a little bit less hippie but it's It, it's always in this category, category, but actually it's a really nice drink. It's kind of like um, a sour, kind of like fizzy drink uh, that you make uh, using a starter. So, for example, as you do with kefir, you have a starter or the mother, as you call as you call it. Um, and this starter in the in the case of kombucha is called skobi, which um, actually means uh, a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. So um, it's like a symbiotic relationship of different bacteria which under the right circumstances they produce this this drink which is uh, very good for the gut um So yeah I think symbiosis was very much connected to this part of fermentation let's say um and also I was really interested in the fact that there's like in this kind of fermenting relationships um there's a very fine line between rot and fermentation um so well, you, where is this fine line I mean in the in the in the sense that you ha- you have to kind of control the conditions like uh the environment has to be a certain temperature it doesn't ha- it, it shouldn't be very hot it shouldn't be very cold um also you have to feed the um, your scoby or this this mother which is kind of like a jelly alien looking thing <laughs> um so you intervene so you provide the conditions for it to grow in a um, way it's like you're caring exactly for yeah. it yeah so a care comes in again um but also this you know this fine line of rot and fermentation if you think about it it's kind of like human relationships as well where there's always a fine line between toxicity and like flourishment. So, I think this was very interesting for me. Well, thank you. I didn't know about this uh, drink and I'm uh, looking forward to taste it at some yeah, point. Yeah, I have to bring one. I was supposed to bring one here to to have it as a pet, but uh it will happen. Okay. Uh well, in order to further develop your research, you uh, embarked all together on a trip and you went to Prespes Lake, which is in the north of Greece. Mm-hmm. And after you came back, I remember we were discussing a lot about your findings, which concerned um, a lot the geopolitics of Prespes and the the dangers that the biotop is facing right now that uh, are related to the climate change. I would like to to 
to know, I would be interested to know your findings in relation to food. Um, Prespes was an amazing place and I think it was a great choice for us because we... Um, We talked about different places and like pros and cons of every different place, which all of them were, you know, places near water or it was either a lake or sea or somewhere near a river. But we chose Prespice because we thought it was, um, I mean, we thought and it, it, it actually is. It's like a, a whole ecosystem around the lakes, which is protected. Um, was it the first time that you went that you've been for me there? yeah yeah and I, it was amazing it was um, I mean apart from the environment itself it was um, you know it's it wasn't the right season for, I think because it was a bit gray like you didn't expect I was expecting more like green around but it was more gray and very cold <laughs> Um But I think also the great thing about Prespes was um, like the community of people working or living there, which was a mix of like either people who were born there um, and they left for studying and then they came back or it was people who chose to live there because of work. Um, and I think with with the, speaking with these people was, um, was the most interesting thing and... Um, Regarding food as well, I mean, I expected that I would find more edible stuff like around the lake or in the woods, but it was the wrong season, so there wasn't much. I mean, we found like these um, um, little yellow flowers called primula, which are edible. But apart from that, not much. Um, but we met this amazing mushroom guy, <laughs> um, Nikos, who who talked to us a lot about the mushrooms and the truffles because he's uh, truffle hunting as well with a dog. And he does this for a living. Like he, he provides restaurants with uh, truffles and mushrooms. And he also took us around the, um, the woods where we found a, a little bit of truffle. A so tiny bit. A of tiny truffle. bit of truffle, which was not edible, but, but it was great to see like how, how he does it. Um, and he also talked to me about something that, Later, I, I discovered that we had seen it. Um, apparently, in the lake, there's this um, um, kind of like lake weed, because you can't say seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this edible lake weed, um, which they call the water, the lake chestnut. Um, and it's edible. We couldn't find it like in the in the lake, but on one of the beaches that we visited, there was it was full of this. It was kind of like wooden, like, again, very alien looking, uh, like wooden sort of like dry flowers. And we didn't know what it was. And then we came back and Sam found out that actually this was the lake chestnut. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then what else? We talked about with a lot of people with um, about the like the local crops, which is mainly beans there. I mean, they're very famous, like the... Giant beans of Prespes. And That's also, why you brought back uh, yeah. <laughs> huge packs of beans. <laughs> and they have these black uh, giant beans there, which are amazing because they taste a bit like uh, chestnuts again. Like when you bake them, they're more sweet than the white ones. Um, so there was, you know, we talked about food a lot. I didn't find a lot of stuff, but it was interesting in other ways. I see. Mm. And ah, we also did a... A pie workshop, which was nice, with um, a local, um, uh, he was a friend, 
a chef who was a friend of the guy who who rent the um, well, the place where we stayed and he did like a small um pie workshop where we did like spinach pies and we cooked them in an open fire which was great I'm smelling the taste it was amazing and a lot of tipuro involved <laughs> in the situation <laughs> I wonder why <laughs> um All right. So during these six weeks, um, apart from the trip, apart from all the collective stuff that you did together, reflecting back, how do you think the practices of uh, the six, five other people that were in the group feed in your practice? Um, I think the interesting part for, for me for this the, this whole six weeks was um, how we sort of created a bubble. It was like you put six different um, personalities and practices under one roof, um, and we you, you work under in this bubble, which is, by the way, was I mean, it was during the pandemic, which I mean, we never really addressed in the work, but it was there, and you know, you you could feel it a lot, like when you went back home, not only the pandemic, but everything else, you know, going around, going on in uh, in Greece or the the whole world. So it was like, it was kind of like we created this safe space, um, which involved a lot of care, as we talked about. Um, yeah, and we were able to talk about our practices and, um, you know, find ways of coexisting and doing research together. Um I mean, of course, I got a lot of this. I can't like pinpoint exactly what I got from each one, but I know that you know I'm living with uh, so much references and so much new stuff that I want to look into further, like books and uh, movies, and and it was great also, you know, to meet all these different people who I know that with most of them I'm gonna keep um, in contact with, um, and then. Um, Yeah, and also, I mean, talking about ecologies, I think it kind of proved how when you talk about ecologies, you have to talk about nutrition or food, or you have to talk about architecture, you have to talk about um, activism. So it kind of proved this, um, you know, this phrase that we had from James, the everything equally involved, uh, evolved, sorry, or everything uh, connected. So it was very much a proof of that, I think. Yeah, and also the symbiosis that you were talking about mm -hmm. before. I think that you're very right in the sense that you describe it as a bubble, especially under the conditions that we are living at the moment. Uh, of course, you you had a totally different experience of the place and the space because of this situation. Mm -hmm. We felt that it was really important to be able to host a group of people and foster this kind of research even under these very special circumstances. Um, we are about to close our discussion today and uh, I would like to ask you one last question. I'm curious to know how all these questions that uh, we brought up during our conversation today um, link back to Athens and its food community. And I'm thinking, is there a turn that you have observed happening right now in Athens towards the ethic and the sustainability of food? And how do you think this is expressed? 
Mm, I would say I'm kind of torn because I think on one hand, uh, you start to see like small movements from chefs uh, who try to use more local ingredients or, you know, um, farmers who try to grow more ingredients instead of importing everything. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, there is some things, ha- there are some things happening. But on the other hand, it's like we sort of um, discover like new cuisines, like there's like a lot of Japanese places there's a lot of um thai places which is great i mean of course i love having different you know different food around but then this means that we import a lot of stuff i mean i'm not saying that we can only you know survive with what we have here but at some point it gets ridiculous when you import a little lemon that will cost six euro and you can you know substitute it with something else um but okay, also there's, there's a, I see a lot of uh, like new um, producers who make um, like independent companies who make really nice stuff and they take care of the, you know, also the packaging and the branding. Um, so this is kind of, you know, it's a, it goes on a, on a good direction, I would say. Um, unfortunately, what I don't see, and I think it's really important is, Within the restaurant industry, you know, how they deal with waste. I don't think anyone does that. Like maybe a few um, a few restaurants that try and make everything from scratch, like they make their own bread, you know, which eliminates waste, of course, as well as, you know, it makes it more sustainable. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's... People are not educated enough on this field, I think, and... This doesn't mean like educated from school, but like, you know, as chefs, as um, professionals working in professional kitchens, I think there should be more education on this part. And this is something I want to really look into. Um, there's, a, there's a seminar happening in the summer and in, uh, in September in, um, in Copenhagen, which is exactly about this. It's organized by the people from NOMA. Uh, and it's about waste management and uh, sustainability in the kitchen. And uh, I think this is my goal for going af- there soon. I was afraid that you would say that about waste. Mm-hmm. And we, I recently realized how much food was wasted also during the pandemic from the producers themselves because yeah. they couldn't um, give them to restaurants or hotels or all this chain mm-hmm. that is created between production and distribution was could not calibrate yeah. the, the effect of uh, of the pandemic, and this is really this was really sad for me to realize. And also, I also like if you see at supermarkets as well, most of the food they have like a um, sell by date or best before date, which is very soon. Most of the stuff you can eat like five days after. Um, and this means that they throw away a lot of stuff because not everything gets gets bought. So, you know, it's it's a whole system that needs changing. But I think the restaurant industry, you know, it's it's a huge industry, and um, especially in Greece, I think it's very much behind in this uh, in this topic. Well, I'm glad you brought this up, and I'm, I hope that uh, we become more and more wind- mindful of what we eat and what we throw. 
I want to thank you so much for for the conversation and it was real a real pleasure to taste your recipes <laughs> and to experiment with the workshops that you did and I hope that uh, you bring us some uh, kombucha to try. I will, I will, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Christina. Thank you, Milton. Thank you for listening. If you want to listen to more conversations, please subscribe to our channel. You can find more about the UNASSA residency program and each participant at www.onasis.org. This series is produced by UNASSA. Thanks to Nikos Kolias, the sound designer of the series, and to Nikos Liberis for providing the original music intro theme. 